I mean, it still seems like a pretty niche thing. Like, I, I, I would hope that this record might help with us uh, crossing over a bit to more like some like a metal crowd, maybe, or a younger crowd or a more indie type crowd, because I think there's elements of all those styles on this album. Um, but as far as like the pure prog crowd, um, yeah, it's fairly niche and... Uh, um, I think it's growing maybe a bit. Like I think stuff like Cruise to the Edge has helped, um, you know, kind of kind of get the uh, the message out a bit more than maybe it had been in recent years. But uh, yeah, it's still a pretty uh, specific sort of thing. Listen to the Vibes. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Listen to the Vibes, and I'm happy to welcome Jonathan Shang here. And he is the drummer and band leader for a band called District 97. And, and I, I got to listen to the whole album. I have to say I was very impressed. You've got a new one coming out in the fall, October 20th, I believe you said? That's correct, yep. Man, I'm just going to let you start off. Tell us a little bit about yourself, and we'll get into talking about the music. All right. Well, I'm Jonathan Shang. I'm the, as you said, the drummer and band leader of District 97. Uh, formed the band back in 2006. It was originally an instrumental outfit. And then we got Leslie Hunt, who uh, at that time had just finished up on American Idol. She made it to the top 10 women back in 2007. She joined the band in 2008. And we had been friends from college, so that's how we knew each other. All five of the original D97 members went there. And uh, so I heard her sing quite a bit. Um, she had a band called Mark Twang that was like an acoustic folk sort of thing. So that's really mainly where I had heard her sing. But um, she's just had this harder edge to her voice that kind of stuck in my mind. And I felt like, uh, I mean, that band was... Uh, you know, they were they were pretty great musicians, so they had some adventurous stuff in there, and I could tell she could hang with some more unorthodox kind of writing. So when I started writing music for District 97 that had vocals in it, and that was coinciding with her time on American Idol, it just got me thinking, maybe somehow, uh, I don't know, she could work to sing the stuff, even though we had always thought we would get a male singer, kind of like try to become the next Dream Theater or something, but... Uh, it was kind of kind of a long shot, but it ended up working perfectly. Got our longtime guitarist Jim in the fold um, just after Leslie. Our keyboardist Tim and Andrew uh, replaced the founding members in 2015, and this will be our fifth studio album. And I think it's the best work we've done yet. Well, I know you're labeled as a prog rock band, but you've got a lot of avant-garde style like what I like to call uh, Frank Zappa style music. Did you get influenced by Zappa? Yeah, definitely. Um, I started listening to Zappa, I think when I was in college. Uh, so I'd already just, you know, kind of 
digested the discographies of a lot of bands like Yes, Genesis, ELP, um, Jethro Tull. And then eventually I was like, well, I keep hearing about Zappa because people, uh, like there was a guy at college who um, D97 was just kind of gestating. And so he heard some of that. He's like, you must be a big Zappa fan, huh? I was like, well, not really, actually. Like, well, let me, I better dive into this. So, uh, but yeah, at this point, he's definitely an influence. What what got uh, you into the Prague music? I got into Prague uh, via Yes. Well, actually, it kind of started really as long as I can rem- remember because my dad um, was a bit of a fusion and Prague nut, though, uh, kind of with more, I don't know, niche things. Like, I grew up hearing the Bruford album, One of a Kind. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many times I would have heard that, probably between the ages of, you know, three and 15, because it's one of his favorite albums. So, that was some of the first music I ever heard. You know, I thought that was just kind of normal music and that every guitarist could play like Alan Holdsworth. But, uh, <laughs> but as, as I grew older, I kind of, you know, started to understand that was a special uh, type of gift. Um, but anyway, so I really got bitten by the prog bug randomly uh, hearing Yours is No Disgrace by Yes on the radio which I don't know if I've even heard it on the radio any time before or since then, but uh, but I was just taken by that 10-minute journey that went through so many different moods and sonic landscapes. I, luckily, the DJ announced afterwards that that was yours is no disgrace by yes. So then I, I mean, this was, uh, well, there was internet, but this was probably uh, late 90s or so. So it wasn't as easy to figure everything out at that time but um i went about getting the yes album on cd and i saw the name bill bruford on drums who i knew from the band bruford because my dad was always playing it growing up so then i kind of realized uh you know there's a through line here but with the stuff i already know so that set me about uh delving into every single yes album and then branching off into other prog acts from there yeah i noticed you had one instrumental on the album he had one song it almost starts out like a 70s uh, folk kind of song and then you get a little bit more rocking into it um, what what's your inspiration uh well i think that probably varies by band member there are three songs on this album that i uh kind of uh had the genesis for I guess I, I tend to get my uh, ideas often from things I read. So two of the, the, the two of the uh, two songs I wrote the lyrics for, or at least most of the lyrics. Um, one of them was based on an article in a New York magazine about somebody called The Watcher, which they later turned into a Netflix series. Uh, so people might be familiar with that. But long story short, is about this family that moved to suburban New Jersey into a dream home, and then they start getting messages in the mail, um, like, welcome to the neighborhood, I'm, I'll be keeping my eye on you, uh, the watcher. And the messages got progressively creepier and threatening, like threatening their children and uh, saying the house needs fresh blood, uh, you know, I hope nothing happens to little julie or whatever the kid's name was um so that was kind of my jumping off point for i I tend to write kind of one kind of macabre or strange 
epic per album because I just find these stories tend to uh, kind of light a fire under me creatively and I can use the narrative to kind of help drive the music. So yeah, the watcher is about 10 minutes long and closes the album. Uh, the other one I wrote the lyrics for is called life cycle. And that was um, inspired by the book childhood's end by Arthur C. Clarke, mm-hmm. which I later found was also the inspiration for watcher of the skies by Genesis. And I guess Pink Floyd read it too. Cause I was, gonna name the song childhood's end but i saw they already have a song by that title um so i guess it has a long history in prog rock already but the story there is uh this seemingly benevolent alien race comes to earth and uh their craft are hovering over our skies and they just kind of set up camp basically and then they, they kind of turn things into what seems like a utopia and this goes on for quite a while and no one really knows exactly why they're here but then as time goes on um it, it becomes clear the reason they're here is to sort of uh assist or observe the next transformation of humanity or a stage in evolution where we shed our human form i've just found the book quite mind-blowing and uh i had written all the music and wasn't really sure what i wanted to do for lyrics and uh but i felt like the music had a bit of an otherworldly quality to it and that it would fit um with lyrics inspired by that story well i've read that y'all are heading over to like europe germany netherlands is your first time overseas no this will be our fourth time um and we're opening the tour well first we're doing a show in chicago on uh august 18th i'm not sure if this will be out for that or not but um and then we will be in italy for our first time on september 2nd at the two days uh plus one Prague Prague festival which is near milan and uh also on the bill that day will be big big trains so we're pretty psyched getting to finally see them you know and then we go to germany near frankfurt at a place called das rind in rüsselsheim mm-hmm. then two nights at de borderei in uh, zodemir netherlands where we'll be joining steve rothery from marillion for his marillion weekend or well his uh steve rothery band weekend where he's playing couple different early Marillion albums and we'll be opening up the night uh, for both nights of the festival. So that's going to be great. And then we skip over to London for the a Sunday in September Prague festival, um, which the Enid will also be on the bill and uh, some other great bands. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty good itinerary with um, some nice festivals in the mix and some other great bands. So if you're, able to make it to those countries come out and see us is this going to be the first time that you've gotten to play any of this music live we've been playing most of it live for a while like we tend to break in our new music on stage for a bit and kind of get a sense of what's working well and what we want to retool um so we have played a lot of it but not certainly not in europe we haven't played any of it um and there are two songs uh life cycle which we talked about and mm. uh the upcoming single crossfaded um those were two that we had never played 
live uh, before we recorded them. So that was kind of a new approach for us because usually we uh, have everything pretty dialed in before we hit the studio, but this was a different process. But uh, I don't think you can really tell that it, you know, I don't think those two songs stand out for sounding like they were thrown together or something. Like they sound as cohesive as anything else. But yeah, everybody seems to think the new stuff is uh, among the best we've ever done. So yeah, it's been good to have that uh, positive feedback. So I'm assuming that's had a big influence on what you were going to put on the album. Is, did you have stuff that you originally wanted to put on that you kind of threw away? Well, there was, like, I mean, one thing I can recall that we did change was um, there's a track called Divided We Fall on this mm -hmm. album that um, we we put a live album out a couple of years ago called Screenplay, and we had, like, a quarantine demo version of Divided We Fall on there because it was covid times and we just wanted to like throw something new on the album and uh it got a good response but some people were like uh the ending seems too abrupt like it should that part should go on longer at the end so we actually did end end up extending the ending for the final version of the song which uh will be on the new album so uh yeah we did take fan feedback into account and how much experimental as far as sounds mm. um well i i would say that um you know there's definitely some guitar tomfoolery on the album uh you know messing around with different pedals and stuff and uh andrew did some pretty cool synth sounds that uh i think took things a bit farther sonically than we've done in the past so um yeah, I would say it's it's more things like that, like more textural type of things where we got more experimental. You like to just sit down and try to jam to get some of those songs together, or do you already have it in your head what you want to write? Well, usually, um, yeah, we, we come in prepared. Like I think for each of these songs, whoever was the composer um, prepared some sort of demo for them and uh sent it out to everybody and we, we would all check it out and get somewhat familiar with it and then once we start playing as a band we would fine-tune you know and, and hone things together um but yeah nothing really came out of some spur of the moment it was all pretty late laid out in advance how do you find the the audience i mean is do you see that there's more people getting into prog rock that's a good question um i wish i had a better answer for that but um i mean it still seems like a pretty niche thing like i uh like i i, I would hope that this record might help with us uh crossing over a bit to more like some like a metal crowd maybe or a younger crowd or a more indie type crowd because i think there's elements of all those styles on this album um but as far as like the pure prog crowd um yeah it's fairly niche and uh um i think it's growing maybe a bit like i think stuff like cruise to the edge has helped um you know kind of kind of get the uh the message out a bit more than maybe it had been in recent years but uh yeah it's still a pretty uh specific sort of thing so but i but I do uh, very much appreciate the people out there that are 
shouting it out from the mountaintops like you. What got you into drums? Um, I mean, well, as long as I can remember, I was just banging on stuff as a kid. Um, just had a natural impulse to do it. I mean, I really got bitten by the music bug around age three or four, listening to the Beatles. Uh, you know, my dad was buying Beatles CDs when they were first coming out. So uh became Beatles obsessed and uh so was always drumming along to their stuff. But the first drummer that really blew my mind and uh you know made me think this is what I want to do with my life was John Bonham. Yeah. Um so yeah, it was basically Bonzo that uh showed the the path forward, I guess, and uh when it, when it was time to take up an instrument in school, when that was an option, I you know immediately chose percussion, and it just kind of went along from there. Do you play anything else? Yeah, I play keyboards as well. Like I I write all my music on keyboards. I don't know how you guys can sing and play drums at the same time. I can barely walk and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I used to do some of that, but I'm just not a good enough singer for it to really be uh, worthwhile. Uh, but your guitarist sings. He does, yeah. Yeah, I, I always consider his backing vocals to be kind of our secret weapon. He's He's got a good enough voice to be a lead singer, so um, it adds quite a lot. Um, what do you like to do outside of music? Well, um, I what, well, kind of like the other half of my musical life is... Uh, I work with dancers almost every day. Like uh, there's a dance company in Chicago. I was just working with this morning called Hubbard street dance. Um, so that, I mean, I never really cared about dance growing up. I didn't think there was anything much to it, but um, it, I just kind of fell into working with dancers as an accompanist. And uh, so now I've got a good deal of appreciation for that art form. Um, but also, you know, film, and I'm going to go to the Art Institute in a, in a little while here um, in Chicago, a great art museum. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just kind of other, other art forms I like to explore, um, reading, cooking, eating, nature, um, so things of that sort. So you're thinking about making films? Um, well, I did kind of uh, delve into that world um, during 2020. We put out a uh, a short animated film called Ghost Girl, which is a track from our previous album, Screens. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was an interesting process. Like, I, It was a collaboration with the animation house called Zealous Creative that uh, at that time was based out of L.A., and they had a couple videos that uh, had like, I don't know, 20 million views or something. So I was thinking these would be some good people to work with. And uh, last I checked anyway, Ghost Girl does not have 20 million views, but, <laughs> but it turned out really well. And uh, I did submit it to a bunch of film festivals and it got into some, uh, probably the most prestigious it's called Cinequest. Um, but the thing about it that was a bit of a disappointment was, uh, you know, they, they were still being cautious with COVID. So like they just had an online film festival 
and uh, I, you know, I had fantasies of well, there are normal festivals held in uh, Silicon Valley, so I had fantasies of going there and uh, I don't know, rubbing shoulders with Tom Cruise or something. But <laughs> instead, they had an online festival and nothing really came of it. So I don't know. I guess I'm a little jaded on uh, on the on Hollywood at this point, but. I don't know, maybe I'll give it a try, another try at some point. But I did enjoy the process. And uh, if you haven't seen Ghost Girl, it's on YouTube. And uh, definitely put a lot of work into it. So check it out. We'll have to do that. And do you guys make your own videos? Usually, yeah. Though uh, right now we're fortunate enough that uh, Steven from our label is working on some videos for our two upcoming singles from stay for the ending. So we'll see what he whips up for that. Um, it's kind of nice that uh, he's taking the bull by the horns on it, but I'm sure we'll be giving input. Now you guys have it on pre-order right now, right? Yeah. You could uh, pre-order the CDs through cherry red. And mm -hmm. we have on our bank camp page, also a digital pre-order. And then on October 20th, I think it should be available everywhere. Do you guys have a website? Yeah, district97.net. We're on all the usual places, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. It's been great talking with you. I appreciate you coming on and spending your time with me. Yeah, it was fun. I also want to thank all you folks out there. If you are new to the channel, well, hit that subscribe button. I want you to come back. And for the rest of you, you guys are awesome because you make it possible for me to do this. Until the next one, everyone, please take care. Be kind to one another. God bless and peace.